0: Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, let's get into running with the Giants. I just have to say, after two weeks, This has quickly become my favorite series that I've preached in a long time and it's uh, so full of information about these incredible characters that are in the Bible and uh, the last two Sundays we started with Esther. We talked about Esther and how she was such a a person of faith and how she was at the right time. That's where God put her. Uh, No one's out of place when you're in God's place and then we talked about Moses last week and and the incredible call of God, and how God used him, and and how he stood in faith, and how he made a difference, and the big takeaway for me was that each one of us, when we walk in faith, we are going to help someone's future. We're going to make an impact on their eternal destiny, and that's what I want to do. I definitely want to help somebody make their way to eternity, and then um, this Sunday we're going to talk about Daniel, today just a few minutes, next Sunday the man named Joseph. I'm already, my mind's spinning for next summer, who am I going to talk about and, and I really enjoyed this. Today we're going to focus on this guy named Daniel and, and, and let me just reset running with the Giants. So that's kind of, um, it's not the New York Giants, it's, it's uh, the Giants that we read about in the Bible And and, and Paul wrote to us in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and 1. This is what he said. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're running and we have this great cloud of witnesses that Paul talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 and they're cheering us on and they've set the pace and they've shown us that they did it and if they did it we can do it also. So I'm really thankful for that and looking forward to, to just getting into Daniel. I, I do want to say something about this race. It's not a short, sharp sprint. Now I never was very fast. As a matter of fact uh, we went to a competition one time and and uh, the the one of the guys that was running the relay was sick, and and they said, Jim, you know, can can you run? And and I was like, well, I guess. And I, I'd never taken a baton, and I'd never passed one out, and, and I still remember the first leg. And I uh, the guy that was running our first leg did real good. He was like in first and second, and and the third leg, uh, second leg comes around, and the guy was doing great. I, I think he even gained a little bit. We were right there, and then they gave. Baton to me, and um, by the time I passed that baton off, I only saw the back of all the other racers. Let me just say it like that. Fortunately, the guy that I handed it to was fast, and we made up some ground. But, but I am I I never was one of those guys that was fast, that just wasn't me. and, And but, but this isn't talking about a short, sharp race, it's talking about a distance race, it's talking about endurance. And it's not one of those things where I feel good and I'm just going to run. I'm just going to sprint. I'm going I'm to run from here to the road. No, no, no. This is something that takes patience and it's a day after day thing. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about that this week. And and, and every one of us from time to time, we, we have an inclination, a prompting to do good, don't we? we? We have this prompting that, oh, I'm going to do good things and and and, and I, I'm guilty as everyone else. I, I'm assuming everyone else is guilty. You can tell me if you're not and I'm going to pat you on the back. But but most of us have this, oh, God, I'm going to do this and God, I'm going to do that. And, and it's the moment that we feel that inclination, but there's no real commitment to it. There's no real follow through to it. And... And and, and of course we're all guilty of that but the author is not talking about that kind of thing. He's talking about someone that makes a commitment to make a sustained effort to run the race and keep on no matter what has, what's in front, no matter what obstacles, no matter how he feels and, and, and that's really what the heroes of faith did in Hebrews chapter 11 and that's what we're called to do today. Now when, when we think about our life running patiently, the race that is set before us, living for Christ, there's no doubt, and I think everybody in this room will recognize this, that we are running upstream according to the culture of the world that is around us. The culture of the world that is around us um, is going a different direction, and so this running the race patiently we have to learn to effectively interact with our culture and at the same time stand strong in our faith. Now, we have a very strong culture here in the United States of America. It's really kind of shared with the Western world, which we consider Europe and America. It's it's kind of the same type of thinking, the mind, thought, but, but that's really just a small percentage of the world population. Even with Europe and America combined, it's only about 20%. And, and each area has their own culture, their own way of looking at things. And, and each culture has its challenges for Christians. And, and I would say for us that are living in America, we definitely have a challenge hanging on to our faith today because it is something that is being attacked from every area and that's why I think Daniel is so important for us today, because when, when you look at the book of Daniel, and, and today we're just really going to look at the first three chapters, we, we seek to learn from, from these guys, Daniel, and then there's the three Hebrew children. I'll talk about them, but, but they, they really effectively uh, entered into a culture that was so different than theirs, and yet they held on to their faith. Let me just give you a little history. In, in 605 B.C., there was this king named Nebuchadnezzar. And he was establishing this large uh, empire. And uh, at, at the time of establishing his empire, he comes to Judah. And, and, of course, Judah and Israel, they were two nations now. They had split. There was one one time they were all just Israel, but then they split. And And Judah, the nation of Judah, was very... Resistant, very rebellious, and, and and so Nebuchadnezzar comes and he surrounds the city of Jerusalem, and, and and the king of Jerusalem at that time looks out and and has one of those uh, just light bulb moments go off, and, and the light bulb moment was if I don't surrender, they're going to kill all of us, and that's what he did. He put up the re- uh, white flag, surrendered. And and so Nebuchadnezzar comes into the city. He carries things out of the temple. And he also carries away some of their children. As a matter of fact, the finest of their children. They're young men. and, And they're taken into Babylon. They're taken into captivity. And they're pressed into the service of this king of Babylon. Now, we start with Nebuchadnezzar. We know that Daniel, he has a long life in captivity. He serves Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. But it starts with this one named Nicodemus. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar. And let's just jump in here in chapter 1, verse 3 through 5 of the book of Daniel. Then the king instructed Of the master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men, in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they may teach, now listen, in whom they may teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, The Chaldeans was the the tribe of people or the nationality of people. Babylon was their headquarters. It's called the Chaldean Empire if you look into history. Verse number five says, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. He's given them the finest things and the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, at the end of the three years, they may serve before the king. This is really what he was training them to do. He was training them to be government officials. He was training them to be leaders of the nation and he was trying to bring them into a place where their mindset and their thinking was completely changed from when they were in Jerusalem and Judah to now where they would become Babylonian citizens and leaders. That's really, that they're pressed into this foreign culture and, and, and they're put on the same regiment as the, the brightest people in the nation or in the city of Babylon was going through. And and the reason that they put them into this was really for three years just to brainwash them, just to take everything out of them that they had learned when they were children, everything that they had been taught to take all of that out of their head to immerse them into the Babylonian culture, to the Babylonian history, to the Babylonian literature, knowledge, religion, and at the end of that time, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar thought. These guys will just be loyal to me. They'll be Babylonians and I will be able to appoint them to positions of authority. It, it really was a very sophisticated form of brainwashing, a very sophisticated form of making them to forget their past, to, to form a new allegiance to the King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, to Babylon, the Babylonian way which was completely anti-God to the way that they had been brought up. I want you to hear that. It was completely anti-God to the way they had been taught. And, and, and I believe, really, that the same type of brainwashing is taking place today. It's aimed at every one of us. If, if anybody in here has faith, how many of you have faith in God I wanna just see your hand. Well then I want you to know that the culture of this world is attacking that and they want that to be eradicated from your mind and leave religion behind. As a matter of fact, over the last few years, I've seen more and more people come out and talk about how ridiculous religion is and how full of of all of uh, these fairy tales it is, and and this is really what a culture wants us to do today. It wants us to forget our past. Um, It wants to rewrite the past. It wants us to forget our faith, to forget our God, and really, just give allegiance to the culture, so there's such a a similarity I feel in this story now now they didn't just go as far as put them in a school; they actually changed their names because as the the children of Israel many times did, they would name their children in a way that would honor God. so when we look at the name of Daniel, that last little Two letters of his word. L is a part of the name of God. And, and, and if we were to translate his name. It would be God is my judge. And then of course you've got Azariah. I, uh, that last ah is part of Yahweh. You've got uh, the, these guys. And, and they changed their name. We're not even uh, sure of the translation. Of the, of the names that they were given. In the Babylonian tongue or Chaldean tongue. But apparently, they took the name of the God that they had been raised under, had, had learned to serve and worship, and they uh, gave them names of Babylonian deities. They switched it out. I want you to think about that, how they're doing this mind game, this switch on them, and they're trying to immerse them into this culture so that they will fully become Babylonians and, and, and desert what God has already done, the history that God had done in their nation, in their people. L- listen to the verse here, verse 6 and 7. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So part of the brainwashing, the effort was to change their names. And and look, it's been 25 centuries. It's been 25, 2600 years since this has taken place. and, And the world is still trying to separate us from our spiritual heritage. The world is still trying to separate us from our creator. They're still trying to put doubt, disbelief, uh, chip away at the foundation of people that live by the word of God and, and follow the word of God. And so I really felt like today, one of the big takeaways from this would, what would Daniel say to us today? We're, we're living in a culture where there are these attacks, where there are these differences, and, and, and we have to ask, what would Daniel say to us today? And this is what I think he would say Uh, uh, When the culture of the world tries to intimidate you and change you, stand strong on God's word and don't give in to compromise. And, And the reason I think that he would say that is because that's how he responded that that was his response to this brainwashing to this captivity that just being immersed into a culture that was so in, uh, completely different than anything that he had uh, ever been a part of before and 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 in this uh, chapter I want to talk about four things pretty quickly that I believe if you take them into your heart it'll help you to respond to those attacks against your faith. Uh, maybe I should stop and just ask. In, in online, League City, uh, Houston campus, Springswood campus, anybody, have you felt an attack on your faith? Let me just see your hands if you feel like that's a part of our life. Sure it is. And so I want to give you some things that will help you just respond to that. So the first thing, and it seems a little um, strange that I would start this way, but, but I do appreciate the fact that Daniel learned the wisdom of the culture. He, he was in this culture and he was being taught, he was being taught their literature and, and, and he became an excellent student. I don't think there's anything wrong with us taking the wisdom of the world that is around us and the knowledge of the world that is around us and, and, and making sure that we learn everything that we can learn. God didn't call us to be dummies, right? Right? God called us to be smart, to be wise, to to learn. And and I love the fact that Daniel became an excellent student and and really knew the uh, Babylonian culture probably as well as anyone did by the time he came to the end of his life. But the thing that I love as he's pursuing this knowledge is he did not stop pursuing God. Let's read in verse number 17. As for these four young men... God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. Again, remember, the literature they're reading is the Chaldean literature. The the, the things that they're learning, and because they are applying themselves, God is giving them knowledge. God is helping them. But the last part of that verse is, And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So he's taking the wisdom of the world... But he's also incorporating the things of the spirit as God is building him into being this strong man that will be mightily used from him. We have to do the same. We cannot have or can't afford the posture that the church is going to stiff arm and keep all of culture at arm's length. We live in this world. I believe that God called us. To this time, does anybody agree with me? I'm here. God has appointed my time. God has appointed my place. There's no reason we should be intimidated by the culture around us. We need to say that God is able to do in this time and in this place what he's done every other place that he's moved. Okay, I, I don't know what the response was in Houston I don't know what the response was in, uh, online, but here in Friendswood, I got 15%. I, I'm going to go back in and see if I can up the ante a little bit. I still believe that no matter what time we live in, what the situation is in the culture around us, that our God is able. I like that. That's just I needed that little affirmation, I guess, but I got it and I feel better. I think I can go on now. And and, and as we are going in this, uh, living this life... We can't just say we're going to desert ourselves from the culture of this world. I mean, there are religious groups that have done that. All around the world there are religious groups that have secluded themselves and and made it very difficult for people to even know them or understand them. I love the fact that Daniel just gets right in there. He wants to learn everything that they have to teach, but at the same time he's got a death grip on the things that God has put in his heart and God is blessing him amen and and, and think about it he had to go into those schools and those classes every day of his life well especially for those three years and and listen to them but he was strong enough I I want this to get down in your spirit when I say it he was strong enough to disregard the things that were wrong or the things that were untrue and hold on to the things that were true That's what I'm praying for us, for our kids, those kids that were up here dancing and singing a while ago. I absolutely love that. And this is what I pray for them, that when they are learning and when they're going to school and colleges and involved in their work, that they'll learn to take the things that are good, but the things that are untrue, throw it out. I don't want anything to do with it, and hold on to what God has taught us. Amen. The Babylonians could change everything about his life. They changed his location. They changed his diet. They changed his education. They changed his his language. He had to learn to speak another language. They even changed his name. But there was one thing they could not change. And that's what he had in his heart. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost just talking about it. He had something deep down inside of him that said, I will not compromise this. I will not change this. Well, why? Why couldn't his heart be changed? Because he had made up his mind as a young man that his heart belonged to God. And when your heart truly belongs to God, you can go anywhere, you can face any situation, you can go through any obstacle, and you're going to be okay because when you give your heart to God, God surrounds you and helps you and sees you through. Amen. That was a great sermon. I could just close right now, but uh, I'm not. So let's keep on. So the second thing that Daniel did is that he avoided compromise. He avoided compromise. And this is something that is really powerful for us today is the ability to avoid compromise. Uh, Daniel may have been learning Babylonian knowledge, but he he, he wouldn't give in. As a matter of fact, verse 8 of chapter 1 says it this way. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacy, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I, I really love that expression, Daniel purposed in his heart. He he's going to resist the temptations that are placed before him. He's going to resist the compromises that they're trying to get him to make and, and that's a part of any culture that is not godly. They're always going to get you or try to get you to compromise. And, and and I don't know if you've heard this saying. I saw it this week was when I was studying, <clears throat> but I think it's powerful and the saying is we make our decisions And then our decisions turn around and make us. So we make our decisions. And as we live the life of those decisions, those decisions mold us and make us who we are. And Daniel surely proves this point. He purposed in his heart. (coughs) He made up his mind. And, and as we read through the book of Daniel, we see a man that, that never broke. There was a time or two where there was wavering when he realized that he was never going to be returned to Jerusalem. But, but he never broke. And, and, and that verse 8, everybody say verse 8. Daniel purposed in his mind. I, I want to just ask you a question. Have you ever considered how many momentous moments in Scripture are just small steps of obedience? How many momentous movements and, and, and moves of God are... are they're, they're started with just one small step of obedience. And that's what happened here with Daniel. He, we, we're going to see how God uses him in a great way. But, but it all came because he purposed in his heart... And as he's purposing in his heart, what he's really doing is he's stepping into his divine purpose. He's stepping into how God will use him and how God will bring glory to himself through his obedience. Consider the world that we live in. The culture that we are part of. It it really does require a purpose of heart to follow the ways that we have learned of the Lord. Is anybody thankful for ways that you've learned of the Lord, whether you learned it last week, whether you learned it as a child. I'm thankful for those. I see Sharon back there. Sharon, what a heritage we have of praying parents. I think of your mom and your grandmother so many times uh, when I'm studying and thinking. I, I love the fact that we've learned these things. I don't want to compromise them away. I'm I am really thrilled about the 24, uh, 21 days of prayer. I'm, I'm looking forward to immersing ourselves as a church back into a time of prayer. I want to have a purpose of heart so that I can move forward. That that scripture there's some principles there that that you need to understand. They're in my notes, which is on the U version. I also put it on my Facebook page if you want to click that and go to there. But one of the things that I learned from this scripture is that when you have an inner conviction about something, you can overcome whatever pressure is coming from the outside. Another thing I see here is that when we live by God-honoring convictions, we're going to receive God-yielding rewards because we follow Him. Let me go on. The third thing. The third thing that I think Daniel would tell us today and and what we need to see from Daniel is that even though he was learning, even though he was purposed in his heart, he continually acknowledged that he needed God. He he always says, I've got to have God. And and let me briefly tell you the story. It's in Daniel chapter 3 if you want to read it. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And the dream is very troubling. And he gets up the next day and he calls all of the wise men together. And he says, I want you to tell me the dream and the meaning of the dream. And they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Tell us what the dream is, king, and then we'll we'll tell you the meaning. He said, no, 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 no. I want you to tell me what I dreamed. And I've been supporting you, training you. I've been feeding you. And and I'm just going to lay it on the line. If you guys can't tell me what, what I dreamed, I'm killing all of you. Wow, that's that's in the Bible. That's what he says. He he demands the wise men of Babylon to to not only interpret his dream, but tell him what the dream is uh, that he had. And, And so this is what Daniel realizes. He realizes, you know, I'm a part of what is considered the wise men here. And I need God. And if I don't find God, then me... And my three Hebrew children that are mentioned and all the others that are there in captivity, we're going to be put to death just like all the other wise men. Listen to verse number 17 of chapter 2. I'm sorry, that story is in the second chapter of Daniel, not the third chapter. Then Daniel went to his house. He made the decision, though, to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I like that he didn't call them by their Babylonian names there. His companions that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions may not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. In other words, guys, you've got to pray. I know I've got this gift of visions and dreams. I've got to figure this out. we got to pray. We've got to seek the mercies of God. And when we face the pressure of today's culture, we cannot respond with our own understanding. We cannot respond with our own intelligence. It doesn't matter how much training we have received. This is how we always face pressure. We seek the face of God. We ask God, help us through this situation. And, and I love that not only in this place, but in every time we see Daniel, we see him seeking God. The fourth thing is that Daniel proclaimed that God's ways were superior let me let me just speak a moment to you when people challenge your faith don't be mealy mouthed about it don't try to hide it and I can remember times when I was confronted about my faith that I I wasn't the boldest brashest person out there I promise you I I'm kind of a get along type of guy but when it comes to challenging our faith and, and, and saying that God doesn't exist, there's no reason for you to be shy. You should match the boldness that they have to tell you these false things to speak the truth of God. And Daniel proclaimed that God's ways are superiors because this is what happened in chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Remember what he's seeking. What did that guy dream? And God says, I'll tell you exactly what a dream. I know what his mind is. I gave him that dream. And the dream was an incredible dream of, of prophecy. And he downloads that dream into Daniel's mind. And Daniel's praising him. Verse 20 said, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. His ways are superior. I've been here for years and I've learned all about this Chaldean way and and the the.'" Uh, literature and the knowledge but but none of it compares to God because he changes the times and the season he removes kings and raises up kings he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding he reveals deep and secret things he knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him that's listen those verses are powerful when it comes to us understanding who our God is and he goes on in verse 23 I thank you and praise you O God of my fathers you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you for you have made known to us the king's demand amen He goes in, and this is what he says to King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secret. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be the latter days. Your dream and your vision of the head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secret has made known to you what will be. Listen, I I just want to make a statement here and and I want you to listen to me and, and I hope you will believe me because what I'm telling you is the truth. God's ways will never go out of style and God's power will never diminish and God's authority will never be challenged. I don't care what culture says. I don't care how many attacks come, our God is in control. Amen. 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 All right. Now, just like all the other things, uh, uh, sermons that I've preached so far in this series, I want to end by just giving you some words of encouragement. And and I believe that these would be words of encouragement that even Daniel would say, but if he doesn't say them, I read his book and I'm going to say them to you. And the first thing is, if you're going to stand strong, you need to make up your mind now. If you're going to stand strong, you need to make up your mind now. Everybody say, make up my mind. Because you know what? Too many people think, I'll make up my mind when the time comes. And when the time comes, it's not the time to be making up your mind. You have to have a mindset Of when I go into the battle, I know what I'm going to do. Listen to this verse in Colossians chapter 3 and 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. When it talks about setting our mind on things above, it's an act of our will. I am going to be eternally minded. I am going to be uh, constantly, my thoughts are going to be on something that I am choosing now and that is eternity. And when Daniel made up his ni- mind, and, and we read that in verse number eight, it really is saying the literal translation is he set up on his heart, he placed it on his heart. He's resolving in himself that he would not defile himself and he would not compromise. So if you're gonna stand strong, you need to make up your mind today. You, you need to get in an altar and you need to pray and say, Lord, I'm making up my mind today that I'm going to follow you no matter what comes. Now, I've been in this long enough to see people that are a flash in the pan when it comes to their faith. In other words, they're full of faith until the first challenge comes. How would would we have had a book of Daniel if he would have been a flash in the pan? If, If the first challenge came and the delicacies are laid out before him, he said, man, I really know that I should purpose this in my heart, but I think I'll eat that. We would have never known a man named Daniel. And, and if we're going to have something that we're going to do for God, there has to be this purpose in our heart. And, and purpose, or purpose where it says that, it's the ideal of I have decided. It is a decided resolution, a firm decision that I've made. Daniel's character was already formed for following God before the first test came into his life. I'm going to say that again. Listen to me. His character was already fo- formed... His decision was already made before the first test came. You can't make wait to make up your mind when you are in battle. My son Bo, who is at the League City campus today with the team they're training, um, when he went through boot camp, it, it was ridiculous some of the things that they required of him. It, it was. It seemed to be crazy the things that they would put him through. But, but really what they were doing is they were conditioning his mind so that when he got into a battle, when they were actually in a battle, when they were in a fight, that he knew that he was already, his mind was set, I follow this commandment. I follow this tradition. This is what I do. And that's really what we need to do as Christians. We need to go through boot camp and just make up our mind before we ever get to the battle. This is how I'm going to live my life. James says it like this in James 1 and 8. um, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded there just means like there's two souls in him. There's a soul for God and there's a soul for culture. And, and, And they're constantly affecting his actions, his affections, his love for God and and one of, the, one of the souls that is in him is oriented towards God and wants God's things and then the other part of him is constantly pulling him away and there's this constant civil war that is going on in the inner part of him to try and decide, am I gonna trust God or am I gonna follow my own desires? If you're gonna be strong, anybody wanna be strong, let me just see your hand. I'm, I'm trying to give you some good advice here. If you're gonna be strong, Purpose in your heart. Make up in your mind. If you're going to be strong while standing strong, make sure you have compassion on others. That's a big part of standing strong. God didn't call us to stand strong and walk all over people and trample people to death. He called us to be strong and yet to have compassion. I I want to be so moved by compassion towards the culture around me, even if it's attacking me, even if it's contrary to everything that I believe, do you know what I want to do? I want to love them just like Jesus loved the Roman soldiers that were beating him and putting him on a cross. And Daniel here, he, he's, he had compassion. Verse number 24 of chapter 2, Therefore Daniel went to Ararach, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. This is the guy. The king says, hey, if they can't come up with my dream, kill them all. And he goes to this guy and he says, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Don't don't kill any of them. Just take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. Now the truth is, Daniel probably could have said, hey, me... And these three guys that are with me, we've got it. If you want to wipe the rest of the guys out, that's okay. They don't have a clue what's going on. Let us be the important ones. But even in the moment of great revelation and understanding, Daniel intercedes for the people that surely would have not done the same thing for him. As a matter of fact, we see later in this very book where they tried to trap him and and be uh, well. He was actually thrown into a lion's den. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but do you do you know that above all else, what our obligation is? Our obligation is to the culture that we find ourselves involved in. Our, our obligation is to the people around us. But pastor, they hate us. They hate Christianity. It doesn't matter. This is where God has called us. So if you're going to be strong, intercede on their behalf intercede on the behalf of every man and woman that is a part of this culture no matter how far away from Christianity it is because I want to give you a little insight to every man and woman that live that's a man and a woman that God died for that Jesus Christ gave his life for and if he shows enough compassion to love them then I want to intercede on their behalf Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 3. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Not not, not just your group. Not just you four and no more. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so you can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants you to live. Jude chapter one verse twenty three and twenty three twenty two and twenty three. This is what he says, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. Jessica making a difference. I love that right there, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. It, it would be so easy for the church to shun people. It would be so easy for us to get a a group in our mind and say, okay, there's no hope for them. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Daniel did. And this is what Jude said. Show mercy, show compassion for those that are around us. Let me just ask you this. Has anyone in the room received mercy? Let me just see your hand if you received mercy. Have you received compassion? Then who are we to withhold it from someone else? The only people that withhold compassion and mercy are people that are so self-righteous that they think that they've done their own salvation in their own power. Those are the people that don't show compassion. But I know where I come from. I know the deep and dark place that God pulled me out of. I know how much mercy he's shown me. I want to show mercy to others. If you're going to stand strong, have faith in God. Have faith. This is my last point, and I'm just going um, to go through it as quickly as I can. I see that I, I actually have one more point, so I wanted to clarify that before I went on. Um, but I, this is what we have to do. If we're going to, to stand strong, we have to have faith in God. Three examples real quick. First one is God reveals Nebuchadnezzar's dream to him. I've already talked to you about that. It's in the book of Daniel chapter 2. We, we stand strong. Even though he's facing death, this is what Daniel does. He has faith in God. When, when the three Hebrew children are, are not willing to fall down and worship the golden idol, they're taken into and about to be thrown in the fiery furnace. You know what they did? They just trusted God. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're going to have a way out, but they trust God. And, and I have to read this, night, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king, said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know why they don't have a need to answer? They'd already made their minds up. If this is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards these three. He spoke and commanded them that the heat be turned up seven times hotter than it was. And they were thrown in. But if you jump down to verse number 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near to the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Because he had seen that even though they were thrown in the fire, the fire did not consume them. And they came out from the midst of the fire. Everybody saw it happen. Looking on down to verse number 28. And they saw these men on whose body the fire had no power. I know culture can be intimidating sometimes. But it really has no power. The hair of their head was not singed. Nor was their garment affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. The third thing where they had faith in God as God rescued Daniel from the lion's den. It's in chapter 6. I'm going to skip it today because I know I've taken time and I want to get to my last point. If you're going to have, if you're going to stand strong, if you're going to resist compromise, then you need to have faith today. Everybody say today. That God is working. That God is in control. That God is the one... That has the answer. But Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I rebuke that thought. That says my circumstances are greater than God. I, I rebuke it right now in the mind of everybody that's in this place. Have faith in God. H- have faith. The type of faith that when you're standing at the foot of the fiery furnace. You say I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust God. My, my God is able. My, my God has the strength. Well, well, Pastor, you don't understand the shape that my marriage is in. I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you right now, have faith that God is working. Now, Look, there's no evidence that God is working when you're standing at the fiery furnace. The evidence is when you get into the battle that you see Him. There's no evidence that the lions are going to be tame when you're thrown into the lion's den. The the evidence comes when you get into the battle and you've stayed strong and all of a sudden God shows up. And, and, And this is what I know because I know what humanity is like. There are some people that are in this room in the other rooms that I'm speaking into, that you are bound by sin. You're bound by attitudes. You're bound by problems. And you have convinced yourself that those things are stronger than what God wants to do. And I'm here this morning to rebuke that thought. And when I say rebuke, what I'm trying to do is cast it out of your mind. I'm trying to be as strong as I can to say that's faulty thinking. And this is what I say to you. God is working. God is working on your behalf. Even when you don't see it. Even when you may be bound. Even when you may be fully addicted to something. When you may be entangled in something that you don't know how to get out of God is working and if you'll let him show up and if you'll let him come, you'll find that he will make a way, let's stand together all campuses, let's stand together, prayer team is coming to stand here, the worship team is coming out, I'm going to turn the worship team here and at Houston over to uh, Andrew and here to Joseph in just a few minutes, but but before I before I do, I, I just want to tell you that uh, if you're going through a battle, if you're wondering, if you're wondering how can I get it, trust God today. Let today be the day that you make a declaration in your heart, a purpose in your heart that you know what I'm going to live for Him. I'm not going to listen to the foolishness of the culture. I'll take what the culture has given me wisdom-wise, but the foolishness of the culture is not going to affect how I feel about God. And and this is what the culture is trying to do. It's trying to redefine everything that the Bible has said. It's trying to redefine even the act of creation. And this is what we have to do as Christians. I'm standing strong on what the Word of God says I'm standing strong believing that God is at work in my life and in the life of my friends. And as this prayer team is here, when I finish praying and Joseph starts leading, I I invite you, if you need prayer, please come up. Before I turn the service over to the worship team in Houston, I just want to pray for all of our campuses today and just speak a word of faith into your life. Lord, thank you so much for today and Thank you for this great example of a man that is so immersed in a culture that is just completely opposite of everything that he learned as a child. And yet, Lord, we're so thankful that in the time of his immersion, what he took with him was stronger than the culture that was around him. This, this huge... Empire that had conquered the known world at the time and and was more powerful than anything. He stood his faith and stood his ground. And God, you saw him through. He became a testimony of your love and your mercy and your power and your might. And Lord, I, I know that there are people that are listening to me now online and in our campuses that that they've gone through things that maybe even this week where they've been challenged, where they've been, it's almost like an attack, a warfare on their mind about things that they, what well, what, is, what, what do I really, God, I pray today that there would just be a, something that would rise up in all of us that would say, I have purposed in my heart, I'm going to live for you, God. i have purposed in my heart, I'm going to follow what your teaching has given me. I, Lord, want to stand strong in the time of trouble. I speak a word of faith today, dear Lord, to those that are bound, those that are entrenched, entangled in things, dear Lord, that are so destructive to their life. I, I speak a word of faith to say let those ties and those, those chains be broken today and let somebody walk into your presence. They may like, they may feel like you don't love them anymore they may feel like that they're not worthy but God just show up and show them how ridiculous that fault is and how great your love is for us Father stand at the gate today watching for us and if just one person turns come running to us oh God and help us find the way that you want us to walk I thank you for today. I thank you for this example. I thank you for this church, Lord. And and I declare, oh God, that we will be strong. We will face whatever the culture throws at us. And we will hold on to our faith because you have proven to be faithful through everything and every situation. And even this day, dear Lord, we trust you and we walk with you. I pray it. In Jesus' name.